0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, this is your solo pod. It is December 20th. We're, we're just a few short days away from serious holiday season. I don't know. Maybe we're here already. I, I can never tell. It's always football season for me. So that's where I'm going with that. Congratulations. Right off the bat, I want to give two congratulations. One to O'Neill 11693 Come up with a catchier username if you would. And then the second one is to Jaywalk4. Jaywalk4. Those are the winners of our Saturday and Sunday contest. We're actually going to go over both of those lineups really quick after we do Mike and my uh, – my DFS launch for week 15, Saturday and Sunday contests for week 16 are live. So FYI, uh, you can enter for $5 the, the Saturday contest, which for those of you that aren't really up to speed quite yet, it's a 10-game slate on Saturday. Okay, there's 11 games on Saturday, but it's a 10-game slate on Saturday. And then on Sunday is a three-game slate. So it's basically the reverse of what we had last week. So what we did last week with the solo pod We kind of went over all the games. We went over the Saturday games first and then the Sunday. What we're going to do today is just go over. I might touch on the Sunday slate. We're just going to go over the Saturday slate. And, And the reason is, I think it's going to be distracting to go and consider the three game slate after the 10 game Saturday slate. So we might touch on the the three-game Sunday slate during our game-by-game game preview, which, of course, I do with Mike McClure. But for now, we're just going to talk about Saturday. These are the games that are coming up next for the main slate, the Saturday slate. That's 10 games we're going to go over. Um, the last thing here is we're going to do our, uh, our lineup recap. We're going to do – I should say the first thing. We're going to do our lineup recap right now. And then we're going to launch into the early look for those of you that are new, we're going to launch into our early look. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. The last thing is, if you're in here, Mike, I see you hit the like button, bring your friends, have them hit the like button. And by the way, anybody that's in the chat, if you haven't already reviewed the podcast, it certainly helps me if you do. So go to Apple or Spotify and go ahead and review. Hopefully you'll hit five stars. Maybe you'll give a five second description of, of why you like the podcast. Um, I got a funny, I got it before we get up and we can pull up my cash lineup, Zach, if you would, but I got. A, I actually got a, a DM or a tweet, I should say, from somebody, in, and I'm trying to remember his name. I think it was Magnesium Mahomes, and he almost placed fifth in the Millie. Part of the reason he didn't place fifth in the Millie is because he had a split of Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, and he tweeted at me in, in a very nice way, mind you, and basically told me, I ended up switching some lineups off McKinnon to Isaiah Pacheco. You know, presumably after listening to our show, because I was pretty big on Isaiah Pacheco last week. So was Mike. And uh if he had just left McKinnon in there, he would have finished fifth. So if I get time, I'm gonna pull up his lineup. But you know, there's listen. Those are some of the things that can happen. You know, the reason I liked Isaiah Pacheco last week, as everybody knows, is we thought we were going to see a positive game script. So we were going to maybe see a little less of Jarek McKinnon and a lot more in the third and fourth quarter of Isaiah Pacheco. It turns out we saw a decent amount of Isaiah Pacheco, but not quite as much because the game was so super competitive all the way to the very end of the game. What happens with the Kansas City Chiefs when they're in competitive games Everybody sits and McKinnon plays. That's just how it works because he is the most reliable and most dynamic running back that that team has. Credit to Jarek McKinnon. I mean, he keeps showing up, and, you know, we didn't play him last week. But, you know, fortunately, Magnesium Mahomes did play some Jarek McKinnon, so he had a pretty good week. And I think he finished second place in our Sunday contest behind uh, J-Walk 4. So let's uh, – Jaywalk. Is that like jaywalking? I'm, I'm curious what what that name is derived from. Maybe it's just a coincidence. It's the lawyer in me. For those of you that don't know, I practiced law for 13 years. I was a trial attorney. Still am an attorney. I just don't practice anymore. Um, now I do this. How cool is that? Anyway, maybe some of you, my dad didn't think it was very cool now that I think about it, but maybe some of you listening think it's cool. So give me your thoughts in the chat if you would. Here's my cash lineup. It ends up cashing. It's just a $25 double up. This is one of two cash lineups I had. Um The other one had Dak Prescott. So if you recall on Thursday and on Tuesday, I basically told you who my cash game quarterbacks were going to be. It was going to be Justin Herbert. It was going to be Dak Prescott. I thought Justin Herbert was going to have a much better day. Just the game flow was very different than what I conceived of. The Chargers are just kind of a, I mean, is there a more fraudulent team than the Chargers this year? I mean, no disrespect, but you've got this great quarterback. You've got a healthy team, at least right now. You know, they do have injuries on the defensive side, but we thought their defense was going to be a lot better. I mean, you could so easily expose the Tennessee Titans through the air, especially knowing that you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams healthy. It just to only score 13 DraftKings points. I mean, granted, he passed for over 300 yards, but two interceptions. One of them was amazing. If you haven't seen the interception that the Titans got before halftime, oh boy, please go back and watch that. Just YouTube it. Just whatever descriptor you you put in, uh, you'll find it. It was so it was I think the best interception I've ever seen. So Justin Herbert here starts off my lineup at 53% ownership. So no surprise there on the ownership. Derrick Henry, 46% ownership. Alvin Kamara, 51% ownership. You see a trend here? I'm playing all the chalk plays. It's part of the reason this lineup cashed, right? Because my dud and Justin Herbert, well, more than half the field had him, right? So that doesn't really hurt me that bad. Jamar Chase at 30%. Excuse me, Jamar Chase at 34%. Zay Jones at 30%. So he really got a lot of love uh, here. You know, I think in tournaments, I was more inclined to play Christian Kirk, although I did play some Zay Jones, as you'll see later. But Zay Jones at 4900 certainly was a valuable play over 100 yards. So he gets that bonus as well. Chris Moore at 70 percent. No surprise there. And again, he didn't have a great game. I mean, his activity was great. He was participation was great. His targets were what we thought they would be. The production just wasn't there for Chris Moore. So um, that didn't hurt me because two thirds of the field, actually more than two thirds of the field had Chris Moore. And then I had Evan Ingram at only four percent. That was a price thing, to be honest with you. I would have played Dalton Schultz if I had the 4400 to play Dalton Schultz. You all know how much I loved him. I think he was in the tournament lineup that I'm about to show you, but I just ended up landing on Evan Ingram, and it, and it did help me. You know, 14 points isn't bad. Pierre Strong, I, I had made a decision, uh, basically incorrectly, that. I was playing Pierre Strong everywhere because I didn't believe that Ramondre Stevenson was going to be the guy against the Raiders. I thought it was either a decoy or that he could aggravate his injury or that he would only be on the field for, I don't know, 30 to 40% of the snaps. I was clearly wrong there. The good news is for my cash lineup and my tournament lineups, having a $4,000 Pierre Strong allowed me to do a lot of different things, namely get Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamar, and Jamar Chase in a cash lineup. Obviously, Kamar didn't really pay off, but you know, that's what it'll, and, and Justin Herbert, because frankly, if I, if I pay up off Pierre, Pierre Strong, maybe I get Dak Prescott instead. Of course, Dak Prescott had a better game, but you have to understand, I'm going into this with a certain preconceived notion of what I think Justin Herbert and guys like Alvin Kamara are going to do. So that's my cash lineup. Nothing so special. Patriots defense. I really liked the Patriots defense last week uh, going up against the Raiders. And this is, this is nothing special. Like I say it every week, I had some duds in here, but the duds I had were basically around 50% owned, if not more. And the, the high-end plays like Derrick Henry came through, Zay Jones was a big one that came through. And I had a I had a good defense that came through. But look, I only have three fire emojis here. And this lineup cash. And, and for the record, I think 152 in this contest, I think there was maybe maybe a thousand people in it. And I'm trying to remember $25 double up, single entry. And I was firmly within the cash. Like you would think I was just on the edge, but no, I, I'm pretty sure I was like, you know, covering it by by a few points there. So yeah, we can move on to the next lineup. But again, cash cash lineups are still cashing for me this, this late in the year. I know some people like Mike, for example, they don't like to play cash lineups um, this late in the year. They're just doing mostly GPPs. But I've shown you, I only do one or two cash lineups per week in terms of the variations. And uh, this is the one I had predominantly uh, going and it, it worked out just fine. So I encourage everybody to keep trying to maintain your bankroll by putting in some cash lineups there. Let's pull up Mike's GPP lineup. As I as I retweet this podcast. If if you guys are on Twitter, um, you know, you can retweet it too, by the way. Um, you can hit the like button, you can review, but you can also get on Twitter and um some of you some of you posted your lineups from last week, some successful lineups. So I was really happy to see that. But don't be afraid to go on my page with the fantasy football today page and and like the posts and, and retweet those things as well. Okay, Mike's lineup, he told you what he was doing, right? Tom Brady to Chris Godwin. He told you he loved that. And for the record. At halftime, look at the points that Tom Brady, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, you can see what's going on here. Forgive me if you're listening to the podcast. I'll just indulge me for two seconds. Tom Brady and Chris Godwin, they, they have a total of 45 points here. That's basically what they had. I mean, almost at halftime. It was a complete dud in the second half. If Brady and Chris Godwin had been able to maintain some semblance of what they had done in the first half to Cincinnati, this would have completely gone off. I mean, at least that tandem would have gone off. So credit to to Mike. It didn't end up working out in a big way for him, but this thing was tracking to be electric. And it just wasn't because the second half was, you know, the 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 Tom Brady we've seen most of the season and and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we've seen most of the season. For those of you listening, this is what the lineup looks like Tom Brady, James Conner, Alvin Kamara, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, fire emoji, Chris Moore, Akonquo. Derrick Henry, Cardinals defense, good lineup. It cashed. It could have done a lot better. You know, James Conner. I didn't really get the James Conner thing because if you remember, I think it was on Tuesday, I talked about James Conner and how, you know, contrarian he would be because I didn't think anybody would want to pay up 6,900 for an Arizona led defense with with Colt McCoy and just, you know, just I understand Conner was getting all the work. But again, at 6,900, I didn't really see the value there. And it turns out he did okay but you are certainly not a smash game. And that's kind of what I expected from James Conner. I expected an okay game, but, but not a smash spot for him. So he still was able to fit James Conner, Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry in his lineup because he paid 5,500 for Tom Brady and, you know, paired that with a 6,700 Chris Godwin. So this lineup is, is great. Obviously Kamara didn't really work out. I can't say I'm super shocked by that given what has happened this year. Um, I was more shocked that Chris Olave didn't really get any work and that Rashid Shahid actually uh, out snapped him, but it, it's looking like that was a result of a, a hamstring injury that Chris Olave has been nursing that we're only hearing about now. So just an FYI on that. I don't know that he's going to be out next week, but just monitor Chris Olave. Again, this is a this is a solid lineup. Yes, Tom Brady to to Chris Godwin, but no run back. I have no problem with that. I'm surprised he didn't try to fit Jamar Chase into this lineup. I certainly the the one lineup I I, I told you guys on Thursday. Mike had me convinced I was going to do at least one tournament lineup with Tom Brady and Chris Godwin, which I did just one. And I brought it back with Jamar Chase. So I think if I was going to change anything here, I would have tried to find a pay down option from James Connor, or maybe even just get off uh, Alvin Kamara, because he was another guy that ended up getting really chalky. Do you all remember who was on my cheat sheet as the contrarian? I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it's true. It was Alvin Kamara. Now, when we did the Thursday show, his projected ownership at that time, and and you know, guilty as charged here, because we thought that would tick up a little bit. But at that time, I believe it was like 6.8%. And look at it, look at it in this tournament, 27%. He had no business being that chalky, in my opinion. And if, if I had known he would be anywhere near there, certainly he wouldn't have been my contrarian pick, obviously. But I would have paid I would have played so much less of him. I ended up getting off of him here and there a little bit. But, yeah, Kamara was super underwhelming. I just don't think we can trust the Saints at all at this point, especially in the matchup that uh, they're they're about to have, which we'll talk about when we get to our early look. Let's look at my GPP lineup real quick, and then we'll get to the two contest winners. I'll go over there super quick, and then we'll get to the Saturday 10-game slate. Um, My GPP lineup, it was led by Jalen Hurts. So if you remember, I had three favorite stacks. It was Dak to Schultz or Dak, CeeDee, Lamb, Schultz. This is from the Thursday show, by the way. My second favorite was Justin Herbert to... Name the player, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, maybe a throw in Austin Eckler, which which I actually did in one lineup that really could have could have smashed if Eckler had, had kind of shown up. Uh, that's a different story. I didn't necessarily expect that. But the point is, my third favorite, remember I, I said it was going to be Mahomes or Hurts, and I couldn't decide. But the determining factor for me was the concentration of targets, especially with Dallas Goddard not playing in that game. He's back for this game in week 16, which may feature Jalen Hurts, but likely features Gardner Minshew. But I was really intrigued by the idea of, okay, I can have Jalen Hurts with one of two guys and, I, and I'm and i pretty sure they're going to smash. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I picked the wrong guy, but both of them have an opportunity to smash in this matchup at Chicago. So it turns out they both pretty much smashed. I mean, Devontae didn't, you know, no fire emoji here, but really darn close to a fire emoji. And AJ Brown was the guy, but don't forget Devontae Smith was like 2000 less than AJ Brown. So that's why I went there. Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith, that's my stack. I did not have a Chicago runback. We don't force those runbacks if you're new to the show. Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Pierre Strong are my running backs. I was going to be stubborn on Pierre Strong. I ended up being a little too stubborn on Alvin Kamara. I really wish I had gotten off of that because I was really close to getting off of that once I learned that his, once I started to realize that his ownership was really super rising. So uh, Zay Jones, I was able to get that. And it's mostly because, you know, I I wanted to play Christian Kirk. But I can't afford that when I'm playing Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith with Alvin Kamar and Derrick Henry. So you, you you get what you can get. So I ended up kind of like fortunately landing on Zay Jones here. Then I have Chris Moore, of course, Dalton Schultz, complete dud. Very, very big surprise to me. And then you see that Patriots defense again. So um, solid lineup. It, it certainly had a little bit more potential if guys like Kamar and Schultz had shown up. But, you know, this this is a lineup that cashed. So I, I was happy. It wasn't actually my best tournament lineup. Um, I had a different tournament lineup with Jalen Hurts that uh, I think scored 177. But this lineup just seemed a little bit more consistent because this lineup had Dalton Schultz. It seemed a little bit more consistent with um, some of the plays I had recommended. I mean, all of these guys, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Chris Moore, Dalton Schultz, Pierre Strong. Literally, those were all guys I told you I was going to play. Zay Jones, I was kind of on the fence with. It was between Zay and Christian Kirk as a run back in the Cowboys stack specifically, but I ended up getting him here. So um happy with this lineup. Could have been a little bit better, but we can move on. Let's go to our Saturday winner. I wanted to touch on the Saturday winner because it was a three-game slate. And I just want people to see what this person's uh construction was like. Again, this is the O'Neill fellow with a bunch of numbers after his name: eleven six nine three. Josh Allen to Diggs. So remember, we thought there was going to be a lot of snow, right? Well, we did leave open the possibility. I talked about it on Tuesday and Thursday that, you know, the weather changes, right? And we're going to have some weather issues to discuss for for this slate coming up, too. And the snow didn't end up falling until the fourth quarter. So, and, and it wasn't super windy. So, anybody who played the Buffalo Stacks, and I wish I had played more of them because I was on the front end of this being like, hey, Let's play. Let's play the bills like people are going to be, you know, slamming in those dome game guys, which which listen, I get. But it's a three game slate. How do we get different on a three game slate? There's not many ways. Right. So one of the ways is to take some of these some of these bills and dolphins guys and get off some of the dome chalk. I mean, I'm all for playing the good conditions, but on a three game slate, you have to get different. Really good way to get different. And by the way, you're getting different with the best quarterback in the league. No offense, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. I don't know the best the best fantasy quarterback in the league. Is that even true? That's Jalen Hurts. Okay, the point is, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. Love that. His running backs are Raheem Mostert, Dalvin Cook, just two running backs, Michael Pittman, K.J. Osborne. Wow, that worked out, K.J. Osborne. That was somebody that Mike mentioned on the Thursday show for the record. So hopefully um, that that K.J. Osborne play was the result of Mike McClure. Dawson Knox, so it was a double stack with Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox. Um, all of them worked out. Dawson Knox, man, I I kind of made fun of him like two weeks ago. And he's been on fire ever since. So apparently he watches the show and I gave him bulletin board material. So you're welcome. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones in the flex spot. Um, certainly a, a good play, good value there at 5,100. And then the Bills defense, which didn't do O'Neal any favors, but who cares? He has Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen at 12% on a three-game slate. Think about that. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but it does, right? Because we were so afraid afraid of the weather. So these are things to kind of like lock away for for future. Like, especially when it comes to snow, like we really shouldn't, we should be worried about wind. I don't think we should be worried about snow. I think the perception is like, oh my gosh, all the snow is going to be piled up on the field. Like that is extremely rare. They take care of the field. The snow has to be falling in clumps during the game for you to see a lot of snow on the field. We see that like maybe once a year, one game per year. We we, we see some sort of snow dump during the game, but um, worry about wind, which we have to worry about this week. Don't worry about snow. Okay, let's move on from this lineup. Good job, O'Neill on this three game slate. You absolutely uh, crushed it. Let's go to our FFT DFS Sunday winner, which is Jaywalk 4, Jaywalk 4, 184.80. By the way, our FFT DFS contest, it's live right now for Saturday, for those of you late joining us, and it's live um, for you to uh, register for on our Sunday 1-2. The, the Sunday one's only 100, 100 um, entries because... I just think all the interest is probably going to be on Saturday. That one's 200. So hopefully we fill both of them, but they're both live. So register for both. So your name and your lineup can be up here as well. We've got Jalen hurts naked. No issue with that. I mean, I, you know, again, concentration of targets with, with Jalen hurts. So, In this case, I would have actually played him with Devontae Smith or AJ Brown, but this is the guy who finished first. So, what do I know? Derrick Henry and Tony Pollard. I thought Tony Pollard was a pretty sneaky play on this slate. Didn't end up working out, but but I don't mind that play at all. Zay Jones. Okay, we got a big ticket guy right there to pair with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Chris Moore, Rashid Shahid. Very interesting at 4%, 3,200. Mike might have mentioned him as well. I, I can't remember if he mentioned Shahid or Shai Smith with Carolina, but either way, really great play here I was shocked when I saw the snap count between Shahid and and Chris Olave and again I I think it's be it's partly because there was a hamstring injury with Olave one of the props I was two and one on Sunday with my props my NFL props from the early edge the prop I lost was Chris Olave over 59 and a half receiving yards he ended up landing on 53 and I'm 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 watching the game flow and I'm like "Mm, I don't understand why he's just not getting more targets and again I think he might have been nursing an injury but the sheet call was great Travis Kelsey obviously i have no issue with that interesting that you went jalen hurts to, and, and then you had kelsey because obviously mahomes was 8100 so you could have afforded mahomes there too but again we've talked about how these sort of non-correlated lineups or like the, you know the, especially in a 200 person contest like you don't like treat a 200 person contest like it's a cash game basically but you know Most people would have done the Mahomes to Kelsey thing, and he opted to go Jalen Hurts, knowing that Jalen Hurts was going to probably consume a lot of rushing yards and had some touchdown equity. Turns out he had three rushing touchdowns after a pretty terrible first quarter, by the way, where it was like, "Ah, how much is Jalen Hurts going to score this week? And then he just went off from the second quarter on. So nice lineup. He had uh, two tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Greg Dulcich, and the Patriots defense, which I knew, knew and loved as well. So great lineup from... Uh, Jaywalk for uh, hopefully both Jaywalk and O'Neal. Let's see if you can run it back. Let's see if you can repeat this week. We got two slates, so let's try it again. And we are going to go to our 10-game slate. But before we do that, hey, Zach, do you mind coming on real quick? You know, we're Commanders fans, Zach and I. And I tweeted – Obnoxiously about not obnoxiously, but like ad nauseum about uh, how, how things went down in that Giants Washington game. And again, thanks for indulging us. Like we need to, we need to get this out right. So if if I bugged you on Twitter, sorry, but Zach, I was listen. Washington didn't play a great game. You could certainly argue that they deserved to lose the game. My issue was I'd like to see it play out. You know, it's funny because the score two weeks ago when they played was 20 to 12 and Washington comes back and ties, you know, ties the score at the very end. Like we literally had the exact same scenario that was heading to overtime, an epic battle, NFC East, basically a playoff game for both teams. And it didn't just get stolen on one play. It got stolen on back to back plays, back to back terrible calls. And I guess my my question for you again. Everybody indulge us. We're going to get to the the early look on on week 16 in a second. But what was your reaction? And are you in the camp that, hey, we got to fix this problem? Or are you in the camp that it's like, well, this is human error. It's kind of part of every sport. And and let's just move on.
2: You can't have human error when billions of dollars are on the line. Correct. You got you to get this fixed. And I, and I like I know I don't know if it's the officials that are like they just want to stick to their word to kind of like like uh, show their dominance but you official can't be the reason a team wins or loses a game. I know there's a lot of opportunities throughout the entire game that Washington did not do that put them in that position. But the fact that these throwing a flag on McLaurin after McLaurin saying, am I lined up correctly? And the guy's going like this and he double checks and goes like this. And as they're about to snap the ball, the guy reaches in his pocket. Like that's a little suspect. And then the one right after it guy was hugging um, yeah, was Curtis Samuel. Uh, 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 no, it was uh, it
1: was it was Curtis Samuel, actually. Yeah, yeah you're right. It was Curtis Samuel.
2: We don't flag that. Like, come on, you got to have it both ways. Like, if you, and then plus, the, even the guy on the, the broadcast was saying it. The, the former official saying, I don't know what this is. Dean Blandino from Fox the next day saying that shouldn't have been a flag. Everybody's saying it's not it should be a flag. So, why, yeah. why is how, how come this official doesn't have to talk to the media after the game and face scrutiny and just moves on? What if this yeah, what that, if not one flag is the reason Washington doesn't make the playoffs?
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting about the accountability part. Even Terry McCauley after the broadcast, which most people probably just turned it off, but Terry McCauley came on to the broadcast with, I think it was Troy and Buck. I can't remember who was announcing the game, but
2: no, he's like... No, that was from Tirico and um, Council. Oh, there you go.
1: Thank you. And so he was like, yeah, it was definitely pass interference, which of course we all knew. It was blatant. It wasn't just pass interference. It was holding before the pass interference. But he's like, I would... And, and Terry McCauley is a pretty conservative ref, in my opinion. And not only did he say it was P.I., but he said, I would have never in my career called the illegal formation on Terry McLaurin. I would have never, ever called, especially after him checking with him. So, yeah, for those, like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. Yeah, into the yeah, like
2: It's bad, It's just bad officiating. And there's, there's no reason why we should be having this. The, the, the biggest one a couple right. of years ago is that was the Rams and the Saints. Right. And with the Nicole Ruby Coleman, the, the no call. And then they yeah. say, OK, we're going to institute. You can you can now challenge uh, uh, pass interference but you're going to challenge it. They're still going to deny it. And it's going to stick to the calls. So they got rid of the rule, mm-hmm. but this is still happening. And I, I, I mean, I watch a lot of sports. I don't, you don't, you don't really see this in the NBA or baseball. It's yeah. just football. And I'm really like, you know, get a sky judge. Like if you have a bad play at the beginning of the game, that's fine. Fourth quarter. You can't be afraid to blow the whistle. Yeah. I wrote a dissertation. Like, Francois, he knows what I'm talking about. Francois yeah. from uh, Adams Morgan, right? Yeah. Francois. Yes. Um, <laughs> No, it,
1: no, it's I, crazy. It's I, cool. I wrote a dissertation on Twitter about this because I, I think there are fixes here. And I think the one year experiment with instant replay on things like PI, it was just a one-year experiment that they just didn't fiddle enough with. And I think especially knowing that you can buzz New York and have them look from all different angles, and you don't have to have the referee like looking into some window of plays and and, and delaying the game four, five, six minutes. We have the technology now to, like, figure this stuff out, like, really quick. And we don't have to have challenge flags necessarily for the whole game. Like, each team can be awarded, like, one challenge flag. Or maybe you scrap that and you just you, – you go to New York on, on every play when it's, you know, pass interference in the final two minutes of each half or something like that. There are adjustments you can make to make sure that the fans aren't leaving the game thinking – oh, that one was taken from us, which is why a lot of these rules are instituted in the last two minutes, right? Because if something happens in the third quarter, it's still a very severe thing to happen to a team. But if it happens in the last two minutes, the viewers and the fans that are there at the stadium are like, oh man, that one was actually taken from us. So there needs to be some sort of like, human error is always going to happen. This is a very fast game. But having the back-to-back things like that happen, the only reason I mentioned conspiracy theorists is because like you're giving them fodder for thinking like some of these games are rigged, I don't think that. But it's just it gets to a point where it's like, man, this this is a little much.
2: The One thing I will push back in conspiracy theories is conspiracy theories. If the NFL wanted the Giants to win that game, they want the they want them to win that game in overtime so they can put more ads on and extend the game. They don't want the game to end right there. That, I mean,
1: they got four quarters out of it. I'm just yeah. saying, like the way the way the side judge pulled out the the flag on Terry McLaurin that was
2: very suspect. If I think. you
1: zoom zoom in on that, it's like, yeah. wait a minute, man. Like, what yeah. are we? What if, is happening?
2: If this is like Dotson they're calling a flag on or just some random guy, and they're like, oh, the guy messed up. Terry McLaurin knows where he's supposed to be on the field. Terry yeah. McLaurin doesn't make that mistake. So that's why I was he was stunned afterwards. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's, it's a travesty because it was, it was a really great fourth quarter. And position. I always say you should never be in the position where the official can make or break whether you win a game. But what, when you're in that position, at least get a consistent call. And honestly, if if everybody on TV is screaming one thing and everybody in the booth is screaming one thing and the officials doing the opposite, everybody was was uh, campaigning or was championing for for Washington and nobody wants Washington to win. So (laughs) when everybody on Twitter is saying Washington got hosed, something's up because nobody, nobody cheers for Washington outside of people from the district of Maryland and Virginia. Yeah, no, that's that's
1: that's very true, and sometimes even there we we don't get a lot of fans. But uh, with that said, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, just one of the like the the reason I think we spent a few minutes on this, Zach, and and then we'll we'll go. It, I know
2: next DFS and fantasy too. If you're down five and yeah. you are Brian
1: Robinson, you lose. Yeah, you lose. And if you have a showdown lineup, which I did, and I had Brian Robinson in the captain spot, you know, yeah. that that's a, that's a big, you know, one and a half times points yeah. there. But then people are betting money on this. And also yeah. just as a Washington fan, like I, I feel like people of fans of other teams need a little bit of perspective coming from us because it's different. It's a different analysis for us. We, we absorb things differently because we don't get important games in December. We just don't, especially mid-December. We don't get important games. So when we get them, we want a fair shot and we didn't feel like we got a fair shot. When is our next important game going to be? Like, obviously, like next week and the week after but in terms of like these like years sure. that we are a successful team it's few and far between so that's why it hurts us maybe a little bit more than the kansas city fan or or name the successful football team
2: yeah i mean we get one sunday night game every three years um but richie smalls on here says that brian robinson touched they called back cost me my first place my best ball in dk like the, 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 there's a lot of implications to these yeah yeah so, so i mean it's not cool. There's not, there's nothing they can do about it. Now they'll probably maybe find the ref or he won't be on for national TV games. Or they'll bury him in one of the kind of games, the island, the, the kind of games that nobody's going to pay attention to as like a side judge. But like it's, it's a win and the wins and losses, yeah. a lot of money on the line. It's a lot yeah. of
1: money on the line. And and for the record, Zach, those weren't the only bad calls like the, the the pass and inter- offensive pass interference on the two point conversion was yeah. like a ridiculously bad call. There was pass interference on us in the first and second quarter that wasn't called where one of our guys, I think it was Cam Sims or something, got like clubbed in the head before the ball got there. And no call. So it's just one of those things. This happens in football. I just wish it didn't happen in back-to-back plays at the very end of the game, because then I, I would yeah. feel a little bit better about if it.
2: If that wasn't the last play of the game, I still think the worst officiating call of the weekend was the, when they picked up the flag in the Vikings Colts game and blew up and blew off the and w- waved off the second touchdown because that could have won yeah. the whole thing. Luckily, the Vikings came back and won. But mm-hmm. This one was was up there. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right. So that that's enough of that. So by the way, Richie, thank you for commenting in the chat. He says NFL wants nothing to do with Dan Snyder. Well, that's, that's for sure. Richie, thanks for being in here. Tobin, I see you. Donnie, Francois, um, Chargy65. I see you, Mike Chavez, always in here. Mike O'Neill. Oh, Mike O'Neill, are you, are you the one that, we were talking about who won the DFS lineup. I, I think it, you must be the, the O'Neill that won our FFT DFS contest. Okay. We're going to talk about the early slate. Excuse me. We're going to take an early look at the week 16 slate, the 10 game slate on Saturday. But first you all are going to come back after this break. Cause we're going to hear a word
3: from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor brands is simplifying the business journey. And our listeners will receive thirty five percent off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com dot slash CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Should you
0: ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner.
2: Why are they keeping you here?
0: Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here.
2: Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is
0: still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount+, Plus only with the Paramount+, Plus with Showtime plan.
1: We are back. This is Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. It's the Tuesday solo pod Thursday. Speaking of Washington, I'll be doing the show from Washington, so you won't see this background with Santana Moss holding up the 21, with Tiger Woods, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, a signed Baylor helmet from Robert Griffin III, and, of course, the Magic Johnson 32 jersey, which is also signed. You'll see some random background in D.C., but Mike McClure is going to be with me because we're going to do our game-by-game preview for Saturday, but we're also going to touch on roster construction for that three-game Sunday slate. There's one game that really stands out on that slate, but I think the second game, the one with Tampa and Arizona. I think that's a really good game to get some involvement there, not just with potential players, but also with uh, stacks. I think going back to that Brady stack might be a pretty good idea this week. So we'll see how the ownership shakes out, but we'll touch on that three-game slate on the game-by-game preview, but we're going to obviously put the emphasis on the slate that comes sooner and the slate that has 10 games. That's the Saturday slate. We're going to talk about that now. This is a weird week because we're starting to get into those, those months or those weeks where weather has a really high impact. And what's really weird about the 10 game, 10 game slate on Saturday is that we don't get the benefit of a lot of games that just luckily are in like Los Angeles or Las Vegas or Arizona. I guess, you know, we do get a game in Arizona on Sunday, but my point is we're like in the worst weather places in late December. I don't know message to the schedulers. Maybe we could try to go to like the West coast or the, or, you know, the, the South, which Miami's playing down here, but like in, in late December, I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter because it's going to be cold for the rest of the season. So I'll just back off of that take, but we've got three high totals that I think a lot of people are going to be focused on. Two Two of them are dome games. One of them could have some weather, but it's the highest total of the slate. That's the Seahawks at the chiefs. That's a 49 point total. We've got the giants at the Vikings. It's a 47 and a half point total. Eagles at Cowboys, 46 point total. Those last two are in the dome. One note about the Eagles game. It looks like it's going to be to be Minshew magic season, 4,800 on DraftKings, but we don't really know that for a fact. I I think the Eagles are going to be very coy with how they address the injury situation with Jalen Hurts. I don't expect him to play. But again, you know, I ran into that problem with Ramondre Stevenson last week. Like, you know, teams like the Patriots, like the Eagles, like we're not really going to know, right, until – really coming up to game time. I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Minshew, but I, I can't say that for sure. So I only kind of give you all of that because I don't know that Minshew is going to be a decent play at 4,800 right? because maybe he split snaps or something. I, I have no idea. So we'll have to wait and see on that, but monitor the weather because you'll see if you look at the totals in a lot of these games, I'm, I'm looking at them right now, 40 and a half, 37, 41 and a half, 32. That Saints Browns game. A lot of these have like major weather implications. The Browns game in particular has a ton of wind. We're we're talking about sustained winds in like the 20 to 30 mile per hour range, like gusts that can be way ahead of that. And and two teams that haven't done a great job scoring, especially the Cleveland Browns. So my advice from a weather standpoint, because that's not the only game. Like it's going to be freezing in Kansas City. It's going to be freezing in Tennessee. There might be some wind there. New England, Chicago. Like there's there's a lot of games that have for sure freezing temperatures with wind chills that are potentially below zero, but there's also going to be wind. And I think the way to sort of track this instead of trying to be a weather person, because I've seen different forecasts from like three different places, um, track the totals because Vegas is tracking the weather too, right? I say Vegas is almost like an old school term. The sports books, are tracking the weather as well. So if we're nearing game time on Saturday and you see this this Chiefs total that's still hovering around 49, or right now it might be 48 and a half, whatever it is, then you could be pretty confident that the sharps aren't hammering the under because we got a super windy game. Okay, so like know that when when the for those of you that don't gamble, when the, when the line is set, if all of a sudden there's reports that like it's going to be super windy, they're not going to be able to throw the ball around and all this stuff money's going to come in on the under and that that line is going to adjust if it adjusts like one point or one and a half points or two points not a big deal because we're still talking about 47 if you see this line all of a sudden plummet which it won't i'm guessing to like 45 and a half and then 45 like okay we've got some issues with the weather so just i'm not talking about just the KC game uh versus seattle i'm talking about all the games like monitor the totals because that's going to tell you how bad, bad the weather is, at least in a, in a general sense. So something to keep in mind, we can get right into the QBs. I mean, the guy at the top, he's pretty good at football. His name is Josh Allen. He goes against Chicago, who, you know, can't really stop anybody. They actually did okay against Jalen Hurts initially. <laughs> By initially, I mean like in the first quarter. And then just the wheels fell off. And, and Josh, uh, Jalen Hurts was able to do pretty much whatever he wants. I don't think Josh Allen is playing like Jalen Hurts right now. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not exactly super, super confident, but if the weather's okay in this game, Josh Allen at 8,500 makes a lot of sense. And I think he's probably a decent pivot off of Patrick Mahomes, because again, there's only so many games that people are going to want to play, especially want to play their quarterback and that Mahomes game, you know, against Seattle, like Geno Smith is going to be somewhat popular. Patrick Mahomes is going to be somewhat popular. Kirk Cousins in a dome is going to be somewhat popular. People might take a stab at Daniel Jones, again, in a dome playing Minnesota, that Eagles Cowboys game, name the Eagles quarterback that's playing. Even if it's Minshew at 4,800, people are going to play him and people are going to play Dak Prescott. So the reason is because people don't want to mess with the poor weather environment. So Josh Allen, might you might get a discount on him, not a heavy discount, but you still might get somewhat of a discount on him because people aren't going to want to mess with the weather. Again, that's a situation to monitor when it comes to that specific game, because I think the wins are expected to be pretty high in Chicago so again gotta monitor it but I do like him my favorite up at the top is going to be Patrick Mahomes obviously this guy's been so good you know I I was one of those guys that in the beginning of the season preseason I was like man I, I I think they got issues with Denver I think they're gonna have issues with the Los Angeles Chargers I could see them I actually said the following statement I could see them finishing third place in the AFC West maybe making the playoffs but like I was just projecting the idea that Denver with Russell Wilson and the Chargers with a bunch of reinforcements in the offseason through free agency um, could be so formidable that the Chiefs would be like second or third fiddle, especially without Tyree Kill. Okay, I was wrong. My apologies to the Kansas City fan base. They were really mad at me on Twitter for even suggesting that the Kansas City Chiefs would take a step back. I really like Patrick Mahomes. His efficiency has been kind of off the charts. So he's averaging 320 yards passing per game. He's got 35 touchdowns. Last week, he was 36 for 41. Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, they each had 10 targets. Anybody want to guess how many drops there were between those two guys? Maybe you want to type it in the chat. I'll try to stall while somebody tries to guess. How many drops between those 20 targets, how many drops do you think there were last week between Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Zero. Thank you, Matt Arrowhead. (laughs) Arrowhead I know it's Arrowwood but every time you're in the chat I gotta call you Matt Arrowhead because every time you're in the chat we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs for some reason I know you know that because it comes up every single time okay my apologies Matt Arrowwood no drops he says zero that is correct Matt that this is incredible 36 for 41 listen I know you're playing Houston but it's not like they don't have players on the field they 11 people are on the other side of the ball like this efficiency this this these passing yards per game the touchdowns this is absurd. Like, I kind of chuckled at the people that were talking about, oh, you know, Mahomes is is going to be better with this receiving core. So I'm like, no, he doesn't have Tyra Kill. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, it's proving to be true. So I, I like him quite a bit. I don't think I'm going to be on fields at 7,500. If you want to be on fields, I totally get it. Uh, I'm just, I think the Buffalo defense has taken a step back and they are kind of banged up, but I, I don't think I'm just going to... I think the fields train is, is, is going to start kind of running out, you know, in terms of maybe he gets shaken up a little bit and, and we know he doesn't have really any receivers at this point. He's got like Dante Pettis and who was it? Equinemius St. Brown. And I think he had another receiver injured. Cole Komet didn't do much last game. So yeah, I'm not going to be on fields. I'm not going to be on Burrow at new England because I feel like the, the wind is going to be pretty bad in that game. If, if, if we get different reports on that, I suppose I would consider him, but not a big fan there on Joe Burrow. looks like high wind and very freezing temperatures in New England. Now, Kirk Cousins is interesting, obviously, because 6,300 is a great price, and we know what he can do. In the second half, he kind of proved what he can do. Now, Now, you have to kind of contextualize everything that happened with Minnesota when it comes to Kirk Cousins, when it comes to Justin Jefferson, although Justin Jefferson doesn't really need context because he can blow up regardless of the context, KJ Osborne's another example of this though, where they had to put points on the board really fast and just pass, pass, pass. And Dalvin ended up getting that screen pass for like 64 yards, but then a lot of different things happen for them to need to really put the foot on the gas. Is that going to happen in this game against the giants? Well, certainly that's not going to happen, but uh, you know, I, I still think cousins is a great play. I just, I would temper expectations because we've seen the the Vikings throw up duds and and the Giants defense played pretty well against Washington last week I still like cousins I don't know if I'm going to get there with the stack but I love Justin Jefferson as as a one-off play we'll get there he's 9300 at home against the Giants other quarterbacks I like I'll name two that I like Prescott at 6100 I still think is a value I I, I, he's been a little bit off but he was fine last week he was 6200 last week he's only 6100 here it's not a great matchup but again I, there's not a lot of quarterbacks to choose from this week. For me, my player pool is g- really going to be condensed mostly to some of some of the better weather games. And I don't know that Dak's going to get a ton of ownership relative to guys like Geno, to guys like Patrick Mahomes. And I still think he has such a great host of weapons in 6,100. I think Prescott, you could argue, is, is a decent cash game player. It'd be much better if Jalen Hurts was going to play. So We'll have to wait and see on that. Geno Smith at 5,800 at KC. I absolutely love. It's a great matchup. Kansas City can't cover anybody. By the way, Seattle can't cover anybody. They also can't stop the run. So, I mean, th- 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 this is why, like, in spite of weather, this total is still really high. Because I don't think Seattle's going to be able to stop Kansas City at all. And I don't think Kansas City's going to do a great job stopping Seattle. Although, they'll have their moments because we have no Tyler Lockett this week. So, it's going to be Ken Walker. And I'm sure they're going to try to establish the run, which they may or may not be able to do against Kansas City. But... If and when they get down, it's going to be the DK Metcalf show. It's going to be the Marquise Goodwin show. And then you might, I mean, they just signed Laquan Treadwell this week. You want to take a flyer and try to win the Millie? They'll win Laquan Treadwell to that stack. He's a flat 3K or Penny Hart. But I would go with Laquan Treadwell. Uh, something to think about if you're just being completely ridiculous. Those are the quarterbacks that I like, though. The ones that, that I sort of highlighted, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith. Those are my favorites. I, I'm certainly going to consider when we do the game-by-game game preview with Mike, um, guys like Josh Allen, um, potentially Daniel Jones and Gardner Minshew, um, but I'm not there yet with any of them. So it's those four that that I like as far as cash game considerations. I think, I think it's probably Mahomes and Geno if you need the discount. I would also consider Prescott. Um, Cousins is probably not going to be a cash game option for me. Let's move on to uh, running backs. And if you guys have questions, oh, so Richie Small says Minshew Chalk Week. Yes, maybe for cash if we know. I think Minshew is a good cash gameplay if we know that Jalen Hurts isn't going to play. But again, you do need to temper expectations a little bit because when he has come in in the past, he's been good. But unless forced to pass, they're not going to pass. Now, they might be forced to pass because Dallas might put up some points. And frankly, the Dallas defense is is really banged up. We know the Eagles don't really love to run the ball, regardless of who the quarterback is, but they do they do run the ball a lot more, like just conventional running when it's when it's the Gardner Minshew show again, unless they're pressed. So something to consider. But yeah, I think if Minshew is the quarterback at forty eight hundred in in a high scoring, good environment game, uh, he makes a ton of sense, uh, especially in cash games. So we'll wait and see. I'm I'm curious to hear Mike's opinion on that. On uh, on Thursday. Do you think Diggs will do better this week? Man, I think I saw a stat from fantasy football today. They tweeted out that I think they tweeted out that over the last two weeks, Diggs is the forty fourth uh rated
2: receiver. I that, out is that, that, you, I that out today it was wild. Was that I that out today. was wild. Forty four why did forty four over the last two weeks?
1: Yeah, so so funny story. I missed. Um, I fly out to Vegas uh, every year to do uh, one of my fantasy football drafts. We call it the League, and it's modeled after the show, the League. So we do the draft the Wednesday before the Thursday night game out in Vegas every single year. Well, I had Cooper Cup and Stefan Diggs as my my first two round picks. I made it to the playoffs. Only four teams make the playoffs. It's a different setup, and I had Diggs, uh, and it and it didn't work out. I also had Ramondre, and I didn't put him out there because I was afraid of the ankle injury. So I ended up losing by like ten points. On a two on a two-week cumulative score. So all I needed was Ramondre in the game and I and I would have won. But Diggs did not do me any favors yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. It's funny because the other guy had Josh Allen. So I thought I'd be able to sort of like at least, you know, maybe temper Josh Allen with some Stefan Diggs points, but it all went to everybody else. Not of it went to Diggs. So that's just the way fantasy football goes sometimes. But anyway, we'll go to uh running backs now. There's a guy at the top. Well, there's two guys at the top I like. I, I don't know that a ton of people are going to play Christian McCaffrey. And that's because we conceive of the Washington defense as pretty formidable against the one. And they are, uh, but they've also had some, you know, reasonably easy matches, uh, matchups on defense, just in general over the, over the last few weeks. I mean, the last two weeks against the giants, um, you're not really scaring anybody with the passing game. I mean, you got Saquon, but just in, 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 in whole terms, you know, that offense isn't really scaring anybody. So they've had some easier matchups, but I think Christian McCaffrey, especially against a good defense is, is going to be targeted a ton, just like he was in the first quarter last week where he got like six targets for 30 yards and they just kind of went away from it. He was running between the tackles a ton. Kyle Shanahan has no problems giving Christian McCaffrey a ton of touches. Like I thought Jordan Mason was going to work in a little bit earlier in the game. He came in very, at the very end of the game um, and and ripped off a, a huge run, but the long story short here is that it's Brock Purdy at, at the end of the day, and they are going to utilize Christian McCaffrey in a big way, quarters one, two, three, and four. And I don't know that Washington's going to be able to push the Niners too much, but I think McCaffrey might end up being a decent pivot off of Derrick Henry, because everybody wants a piece of Derrick Henry. Why wouldn't you? He's 8,600. He's at home against the Houston Texans. It's going to be a cold, windy day in Tennessee, and it's going to be the Derrick Henry show. Uh, Last week, 163 total yards, uh, which included four receptions, by the way, for 59 yards. So he's still getting that receiving work. And if you recall, the game before that, if that game didn't get out of hand against Jacksonville, don't forget, he had 100 yards in the first quarter. Like 100 yards in the first quarter. And back-to-back-to-back fumbles. He fumbled twice, and then I think Ryan Tannehill fumbled on a strip sack. And the game just kind of got out of hand, and the Derrick Henry show was over basically by halftime. So... If Derrick and this is a must-win for Tennessee, so it is going to be the Derrick Henry show. And and remember, it's business decision December. So there's going to be a point in this game where some of these Houston Texans in the cold weather are going to see the freight train of Derrick Henry, you know, with a with a head of steam, and they're going to pretend to tackle him, and he's going to run right past them. I just this is such a smash spot for him against Houston that I'm not saying you should pivot off of Derrick Henry, but I think if you did. Or if you tried to fit Derrick Henry in, like, you can't really, that's going to be tough with Christian McCaffrey. I think Christian McCaffrey is at least an interesting pivot. Listen, there'll be plenty of other pivots from Derrick Henry that are going to be way more cost effective, but it's just, it's just a, an initial thought that I had. Barkley at Minnesota makes a lot of sense. I'm not really fearing the matchup. Minnesota's better against the run than they are the pass, but they're still not that great against the run. And, and for the record, I think Daniel Jones and Dayball and the offensive coordinator are going to make this, turn this into the Barkley show if they can. So I think Barkley's value at 7,900 is pretty great. Um, Nick Chubb, I think is interesting, extremely cold and windy, very low total. So nobody's going to play him. Nobody's going to play anybody from that game. But I think if you were to get sneaky in that game, it would be Nick Chubb, right? I just told you it was business decision December. Try to say that fast three times. And I there is a scenario where Nick Chubb could could roll here. For 150 yards. I mean, I think he was nursing a foot injury today, but I think it was really just, um, you know, like no no big deal, something to monitor perhaps, but two touchdowns at 150 yards. Deshaun Watson's not doing anything. I mean, I I think the offense goes through Nick Chubb like it should. And I could see this game uh, being a big game for Nick Chubb. So somebody to consider that I don't think a lot of people are going to play Ken Walker at 6400. Um, if we scroll down a little bit there, he makes sense at Kansas City. It just depends on how you want to play that Kansas City game, right? Gino Smith, D- DK Metcalf, everybody's going to kind of do that. They're going to be sneaky, right? And throw in Marquise Goodwin, not sneaky, but it's still a good play, right? So, I mean, I, I think if you were interested in stacking the game or double stacking Gino, or just having, G- having Marquise Goodwin and DK Metcalf as the runbacks in a Patrick Mahomes stack, it's all very doable, um, especially because especially because of the price of Marquise Goodwin, which off the top of my head, I believe he's 4,300. So uh, Ken Walker is a piece for that game that might be a little contrarian, at least off of DK Metcalf, but the path to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, it's not through the run. Okay. It is, de- I mean, you can run on them, but it is definitely through the pass. So I think Geno stacks or just one-offs with DK Metcalf or runbacks with DK Metcalf and guys like Marquise Goodwin, or I mentioned Laquan Treadwell as kind of like a, I was almost making a joke, but actually at 3,000, I don't hate it if we start to hear that he's going to be kind of like next in line. Like, I don't know if it's going to be Penny Hart. I don't know if it's going to be Laquan Treadwell, but there's going to be somebody. But I think Noah Fant is in play in those stacks or those run backs as well. He's starting to, um, yeah, he's been starting to establish himself as the target guy versus Will Disley. Other running backs I like. Um, I, I mentioned Ken Walker before mentioning Dalvin cook. Of course, I like Dalvin cook at 7,200. He's gobbling up all of the snaps, 86% of the snaps last week. You know, no worries about Alexander Madison or anybody else on that team. It is the Dalvin cook show pollard at 7,000. I think is really interesting. I think, you know, it's Philly's a tough defense, but you can run on them. Uh, the problem with Pollard is that he 50, 50 splits with, Zeke, with Ezekiel Elliott, but that might de- depress his ownership just enough to justify playing him. And, it's not going to take much for Pollard. I mean, it's almost the same argument as Nick Chubb in a sense. It's like one or two house calls and you have justified the play. One house call and you've justified the play, honestly. So I like Pollard. I like McKinnon, I guess. I, I know Magnesium Mahomes doesn't want to hear me say that because we know how much I like Pacheco last week. But Pacheco and McKinnon, I you know, I think you got to pick your poison there. I might just be off of that altogether. And I might play Mahomes with Juju, who I mentioned earlier, and maybe try to double stack him with Kelsey, or maybe just take the discounts to stack him with Juju and hope that McKinnon continues to get the passing work. Um, because McKinnon at 5,900, if he gets the work that we think he might, that's a pretty decent value. Side note, as you can see here, if you're watching us on YouTube, Pacheco's 5,700. Um, again, Seattle, bad against the pass. Bad. I know they have pieces, like Tariq Willem's a great cornerback, but they're bad against the pass as a whole and they're bad against the run. So no issues there. If you want to dip down to the 4K range, uh, we see James Cook there at Chicago. Actually, if you could click on James uh, James Cook's um, his game log, that would be helpful because I want to see, I want to verify only five rushes for 34 yards, very efficient, 6.8 yards per carry. You'd think that would earn him a few more touches, um, two receptions on three targets. Listen, we we know what the story is with James Cook. It's almost like DeAndre Swift in a sense where it's like, we know, but we don't know. Like we, what I mean is we know what we're getting into with James Cook. We can't be mad about uh, poor production with James Cook, but we can anticipate the potential that he has a spike game. And we know he's probably more talented than Devin Singletary, even though Devin Singletary is very likely to outsnap James Cook, very likely to touch the ball more than James Cook. I think James Cook at 4,900 at Chicago in a very cold game where we're going to see some rushing from Josh Allen, but we're certainly going to see some rushing from the actual running backs. And I think James Cook could get involved here, including the short area passing game. So as a flyer, uh, especially if people are down on him at this point, uh, 4,900, I haven't been a James Cook guy really all season in terms of like really advocating that you should play him. But uh, this this could be a decent week in in these conditions to play him. Let's move on to wide receivers. We'll have more value running backs to talk about uh, on Thursday for sure. But let's go to wide receiver at the top. I mean. What what do we say about Justin Jefferson? So I do a show on the early edge. Well, I do a lot of shows on the early edge, all the primetime football shows, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football. I do those with Prop Stars, Jonathan Coachman, usually Mike McClure is on those shows with me um, and others from the early edge. But Prop Stars, uh, he and I and Dave Richard from Fantasy Football Today and Coachman do a prop show, which I talk about all the time on this show, um, four o'clock every Friday. And it's been the last three weeks in a row where prop stars, who is a great follow and, and basically the best prop guy I've I've ever met in terms of uh, especially NFL props, but he does everything. He does all the sports, he's been maintaining and he's been managing to sneak in. He thinks Justin Jefferson, you ready? Is everybody ready for this? He thinks Justin Jefferson may end up being the best receiver of all time. Let that sink in. And here's here's the messed up part. Let it sink in and then. Once it sinks in, uh, isn't it possible? This guy is a monster. I mean, he was a monster at the at the end of his stint at LSU, just a touchdown machine and he's a monster now. listen, I'm not saying he's the best receiver of all time. Like there's a guy named Randy Moss that's really good. Uh, Jerry Rice, of course, for those of you that are a little bit older, I mean, I, I think Terrell Owens is is up there. It's just his attitude that keeps him kind of um depressed. though there's so many great, great, great receivers. In fact, in the chat, type who you think the best receiver of all time is. I, I'd want to get some opinions there. But Justin Jefferson at 9,300, what's not to like? You're facing the Giants. This this is a great matchup for, for Justin Jefferson. Um, I'm not gonna play Stefan Diggs Diggs, but if the if the weather ends up clearing up, I think a Josh Allen to Diggs stack certainly makes sense. We know there's other guys emerging, particularly guys like Dawson Knox. You could play Josh Allen naked. I mean, Stefan Diggs hasn't done anybody any favors, but I will say this: if the if the wind isn't too bad people aren't going to want to play Stephon Diggs. Like They've they've sort of had enough, and you see Justin Jefferson right above him, Jamar Chase and A.J. Brown right below him, Amon Ross St. Brown, C.D. Lamb in dome conditions. So if if the wind isn't a problem, I mean, ownership's not going to be high on Stephon Diggs. It's just not. So, I mean, th- this would be maybe the time to just hope Stephon Diggs has a Stephon Diggs game with like eight catches and, and two touchdowns. A, a, a potential get right spot against the Chicago defense. That's basically sold off all their parts over the last month or so. And, and is just, you know, kind of buckling at the end of the season. So don't hate that, but not going to play it as of now, AJ Brown, I like quite a bit. What's not to like. I know Mike McClure is probably going to like him too. 8,100 at Dallas. Problem is Gardner Minshew, right? So I, I do think if Gardner Minshew was the starter, I think I would revert back to liking AJ Brown, Versus Devontae Smith last week. I just loved the value of Devontae Smith versus AJ Brown. But this week, I think I'd probably revert back to AJ Brown. Just a big target, the quick slants. I think Mitchell's going to want to get it out fast. Avoid some of the Micah Parsons-esque pass rushers. And uh, I think AJ Brown might be that piece that he he just peppers. And don't forget Dallas Goddard's back in that game. So um, other receivers I like. I mentioned CeeDee Lamb. Same game. Good game environment. It's a tough defense. But I, I think the Cowboys, I, I think if Dak is playing well, I think CD Lamb's just going to find his way open. I think guys like CD Lamb, Noah Brown, Michael Gallup, uh, I probably should have put those in reverse order. And Dalton Schultz, I think they're all in play with Tony Pollard, not so much Ezekiel Elliott for me. So uh, it's going to be Tony Pollard. I might have a Dak stack with guys like CD Lamb. Maybe I go back to Dalton Schultz, who is 4,200 instead of the 4,400 last week. So I think there's a value there. DK Metcalf at 7,100. Everybody's going to like that. I mean, what's not to like? He is the receiver. Geno Smith is very efficient. DK Metcalf is already his favorite target. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to DK Metcalf, but this is the Kansas City defense. Like, I'm I'm not super worried about the attention being paid to DK Metcalf, but I do think guys like Noah Fant, Marquise Goodwin, and maybe some of those flat 3K guys um, may enter into the conversation here as a supplement to DK Metcalf. Not not as much a pivot from him, but that's certainly in play as well. Um, Devontae Smith, I mentioned at 6,600. Don't like him as much as A.J. Brown, but 1,500 less, that's not going to hurt you. Juju Smith-Schuster caught 10 of 10 targets last week. Um, Over the last two weeks, by the way, this is not a flash in the pan. Over the last two weeks, he's had 21 targets. He's caught 19 of them. So the targets aren't a flash in the pan, and the efficiency is not a flash in the pan. So if you're stacking this game, we we now have, whether McCole Hardman comes back or not, like I'm not worried about these guys. I never was. McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, like, okay, great. Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey. That's who he's passing to outside of the Jarek McKinnon game, which has happened in back-to-back games. It's going to happen a third game. My money's is, is that it's not going to. But I think if you're going to stack Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith-Schuster is a nice discount off Travis Kelsey, but you could certainly go both ways and, and get both of those guys in your lineup. Maybe you run it back with DK Metcalf. That starts to get really expensive. So maybe you, you consider correlating there with with maybe one of those discount options like a marquise goodwin who is set to step up and frankly is a better receiver now than he was three or four years ago when he was just considered a deep play threat and a track star which he was by the way an olympian i believe uh he's starting to the route running starting to be pretty good here so I, I think this guy's learning on the job and i think he's a legitimate receiver at this point i think he has been for a couple years now we're just finally noticing that right now adam Thielen at 5300 at home against the giants I'm not mad at you if you want to play that a lot of people will go to kj osborne which makes plenty of sense. But you know, you want to join the party or you want to be at a different party? You know what I'm saying? And so I I, I like K.J. Osborne. I like the value for K.J. Osborne, who I'm trying to see what maybe we can pull up what his price is, because I think it's pretty low. Oh, there it is. 4,500. That's a great value. And he's certainly more of a sort of a deep play threat or a catch and go threat than Adam Thielen. But the at 5,300 doesn't bother me at all. Um, Slayton at 5,200 at Minnesota. He is the guy. There's other guys there. Richie James is, is a pretty great value, in my opinion. Uh, Hodgins is a great value. Hodgins is 4,100. Richie James is 3,900. Between those two, I prefer Richie James. But Slayton is the guy. And, and Minnesota's defense is bad, it was secondary in particular. So this could be a spike game for Slayton. You're getting him for 5,200. And, and this is a game that's going to be stacked like pretty well because of the conditions, because of the game environment, um, I, You know, if you were doing, this will be very conventional, but if you were doing a, let's say cousins to Jefferson stack and you don't even need to stack it necessarily, but if you're doing a cousins to Jefferson stack and you run it back with Slayton, like that's like a perfect kind of easy, conventional kind of routine uh, stack you can have. You could also have skinny stacks where you don't have cousins and maybe you could even go like Dalvin cook and Justin Jefferson, maybe, and and you run it back with like Saquon. You don't, you don't usually want to correlate two running backs, but uh, some of the correlation rules, frankly, this year, they, they don't really seem to be in play. If you want to do that, go for it. Hopefully, obviously, Dalvin Cook's getting it through the rushing only and not through the pass like he did last week because if he's getting it through the pass and Justin Jefferson's getting it through the pass, passing game, um, it's probably a great game for Cook Cousins, obviously, but yeah, if, you, if you're going to have two potential pass catchers, maybe you want Kirk Cousins in there. Something to uh, something to consider. But I think this is a very stackable game, and I think Slayton is definitely part of that conversation. I think Richie James is definitely part of that conversation. I think Saquon's part of that conversation. Other discount options: Chris Moore at 4700. Uh, the production was down last week. The the targets were there. The, the snap count was there. Chris Moore continues to be a good play if the game environment is good from a weather standpoint. So that's, again, one of those games we need to take a second look at when it comes to Saturday morning and make sure that weather is not an issue, wind in particular. If the wind gets above, like, 20 miles per hour, I think that's caused to be, like, somewhat concerned. And, and I'm talking about sustained wind, not gusts. Like, obviously, gusts, if you've got sustained winds at 20, You might be looking at gusty winds of, you know, 30 to 35 or whatever it is. So I'm not a weather person. I'm just kind of putting it out there. You do want to monitor the wind in particular cold weather. Not as big of a deal for me unless it's really, really cold. And there are some games that are projecting to be really, really cold. So we just got to keep our eye on it. But the cheat code is to look at the totals in Vegas and make sure nothing's plummeting. If nothing's plummeting, like, for example, in that KC game, then it's probably going to be all systems go because no sharp money's coming in on on those unders because of, of weather concerns. I mentioned Gallup at 4,200. Uh, certainly, he's a fine play. Noah Brown's 3,600. If you want to try to get pieces there, that's fine. It's, it, it's a, you know, you're taking a stab. Noah Brown was pretty good last week, six for nine, uh, 49 yards and two touchdowns. Is, is that going to happen to Noah Brown again this season? Probably not. But at 3,600, am I willing to speculate that it might? Maybe. It's a tough matchup against Philly, but maybe. 3,600 is... It's not much to overcome in terms of getting that fire emoji Um, tight ends. Let's go to that real quick. As I know, we're getting up to an hour and I'll look at the chat before we get out of here to see if there's any questions in there. Appreciate you all in the chat. And uh, let's see, we got twice as many people watching as we have likes. So it's kind of the end of the show. It's probably not as big of a deal to hit the like button than than it was maybe at the beginning, but. Go ahead and hit it for me if you can. I do appreciate it. And again, review the podcast if you can. And if you're new, as in you, if you showed up in the last 20 minutes, our FFT DFS contests for Saturday and Sunday are wide open. And you can hear our analysis on each game for Saturday and Sunday on our game-by-game preview on uh, this Thursday uh, with Mike McClure. Tight ends. Kelsey's at the top. Uh, I actually don't play a lot of Kelsey usually, but this would be a pretty good week to play, Travis Kelsey. Seattle can't cover the tight end. Like It's one of like three or four teams that it's like, yeah, they they just they choose not to cover the tight end, I think. I think it's just something that a preference of theirs. So I think Kelsey makes a lot of sense here in Mahomes stacks. I I think you can throw in Juju into those stacks and, and run it back with with one or two uh Seattle guys, especially this week. If you think the if you think ownership is going to be condensed on like three-ish games, three or four games, then at the very least you want to get a little you're probably pretty aggressive with your stacks or at least different with your stacks. And I think a three-two, like a, a Mahomes two two pass catchers and and then two guys on the way back for Seattle. I think that's pretty aggressive. And so I think that might be something to consider. Obviously, another way to get different is just choose different guys. You know, you don't choose DK Metcalf or you don't choose – Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't choose anybody other than Juju at the receiver position, but maybe you go McKinnon and Kelsey. Like All of these things are are potentially um, smash opportunities. The only other tight ends that I really like, I think Hawkinson, 4,900. I want to get pieces of that game, obviously. I think Hawkinson's probably going to be pretty popular. That's fine. I mean, I think he's a good play. Dalton Schultz at 4,200, probably some sour taste in people's mouth at this point. Um, Not necessarily the best matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think Dallas is going to have a pretty good offensive game this week, especially if it's the Gardner Minshew show. I think we might see some Dallas defense is banged up. So it's interesting because I think Philly, even with Gardner Minshew could put some points on the board, but I also think that Dallas defense could create some short fields, which could create some very easy touchdown opportunities for Dak for that passing game and for potentially guys like Pollard and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. The only other tight end to mention for me is Noah Fant at 3,400. Again, you're trying to get pieces of the Seattle game, maybe a slightly underrated piece, is the Noah Fant piece at uh, 3,400. He caught five of six for 32 yards last week. I mean, the the 32 yards isn't great, but you're getting five DraftKings points, you know, right there just with the catches. Is he going to catch another five balls this week? I mean, probably not. I mean, his catch prop's probably going to be like two and a half juice to the over. Uh, But at 3,400 in that game environment, I think Fant could get loose. And so I think he's a really good discount play, especially if you're doing the Mahomes-Kelsey stack. And you want to run it back with two guys? Well, you, you're starting to get pretty expensive here, right? So I think Fant is a, a good discount option. Certainly not going to get the targets some of these guys are going to get, like Marquise Goodwin or DK Metcalf. But I think he's in the conversation. Bellinger 3,300, probably not for me. He hasn't really looked great since his uh, coming back from his injury. A lot of a lot of his, his his targets have been very close to the line of scrimmage where he's just gotten tackled right away. So that that's probably not the lowest I'll go. Probably there is uh, Noah Fant. Okay, we can. Give me the one shot and let me see if there's any questions in here that I can, Oh, Cardinals Browns or Chargers defense from Steven Drake's. Oh man. I got to, unfortunately, I'm not looking at the matchups right now, but the Browns defense in in that game environment against new Orleans with very, very high winds and very, very cold temperatures makes a lot of sense to me. We know like the Browns aren't a good defense, but we know they can get after the quarterback and I don't know if you noticed, but Andy Dalton's pretty turnover prone. So I, I think that's a pretty solid. I wouldn't play the Cardinals against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If that, So this is a redraft, not a main slate question. I wouldn't play them against the Buccaneers. I actually think the Buccaneers are going to have a really nice game. I hope Mike agrees with me on Thursday. We know he was on the Buccaneers last week, both in the betting market, which should have worked out, but maybe not. And uh, he was on, obviously, uh, Brady and Godwin. But this is not a formidable Arizona defense. I think the Bucs are going to be able to move the ball, and, and they, they certainly did it last week it just they only did it for a half so what are the questions how i own what marquise goodwin be you said godwin but you meant goodwin uh that's a great question i don't even want to speculate about that but but if that game stays in a really good game environment well here's the thing dk metcalf is going to have a lot of ownership because i think everybody just thinks he's going to be the target but i think what we're going to end up seeing is maybe more like Double runbacks, or maybe maybe some Geno Smith stacks with both of those guys, with like a Juju runback or Travis Kelsey or, or something like that, or maybe maybe like maybe we're going to see some more aggressive stacks where people include both of those guys. But I do think Marquise Goodwin, in terms of the options that are like below 5K, um, he's got to be. He's I'm not I'm not even looking at it right now, but he's got to be the number one option that people are going to go to, and I like it. And I think Marquise Goodwin in cash games makes a lot of sense if his ownership gets to like what we saw Chris Moore last week which we're, we're talking like 24, 25% or whatever it was. That's when, you know, it's good for cash and probably not so good for tournaments. That's when I'd probably go like DK and then down to Fant or something or something like that, or DK and like Ken Walker and just hope Marquise Goodwin gets marginalized in that game. But again, it's a really good setup for him if, if the weather is good. Any other questions for me? Diggs and Taylor killed me in my first round playoff matchup in season long charge 65. I hear you, buddy. I had Taylor in one league, and I had Diggs in another. And I had Ramondre in, in one, and I didn't have the guts to play him. So that hurt
2: there. Breaking news for you. Yeah. Apparently, Devin Funchess is considering switching to basketball.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say Devin Funchess is, like, signed by, like, the Chicago I wish. Bears
2: or something. I wish he'd be number one. But, I mean, like, can't wait to see what happens. So,
1: yeah. But he's not, like, that's not, like, he's not, like, getting an NBA tryout, right? I mean, like, he's- He's I mean 28. He's, I think he, he might have played
2: at Michigan.
1: Mm, I think he did play at Michigan.
2: So
1: interesting. All right. That, that Devin Funches, man, never ceases to make the news. Like once every two years, his name yeah. always comes I mean,
2: up. I I thought he was gonna be like Aaron Rodgers' number like number two guy last year, and then he was didn't make the team. So yeah. yeah awesome.
1: All right, we got at least uh and, and Zach, you can stay on for this. Um man, I need a running back, Knight Murray Moss, full PPR thoughts. Any thoughts there, Zach?
2: I mean, I like Knight with Zach with uh Mike White, but he's out Murray, I don't trust them at all and Moss you don't know what's going to happen between him and Deion jackson probably go Moss just to just to, it's a flyer. I mean, if you start one of those guys, you only have many uh, great options. I'd probably go with Moss
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that I mean, I, Zonovan Knight is 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 still you're I think a good to play. Do any, do anything. um this one from chargy sixty five Knight killed me says Brandon uh Brosomer 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 bro to have bro is the first three letters of your last name how cool is that brandon bro okay so Charger 65 what do you think of gino dk goodwin stack running it back with mckinnon and juju lets you get cmc or henry i, I love that and actually i think i we specifically re- like this must have been okay so I, we specifically referenced this uh exact stack just a few minutes ago so i i don't i think that's a great stack uh gino dk matcalf Marquise Goodwin, and you run it back with McKinnon and Juju, absolutely love it. And you're saving someone like Juju is a pretty great value at 5,800. McKinnon certainly remains a good value if he continues to get the production he's getting, or at least the usage he's getting. And then Gino, we know his his target share is pretty condensed. You know, obviously Lockett's out, but Marquise Goodwin likely takes that place. I don't think they're going to run out a lot of Penny Hart and Laquan Treadwell. So I think it's really those two guys are going to get the majority of the targets with like Fant and Disley kind of sprinkled in there. So charging 65, I think that's a great stack. And I think it's a little different because some people will come off McKinnon this week. Some people will play Travis Kelsey. Some people will play just Travis Kelsey and not two guys. Like, so there's... You know, there's definitely going to be lineups that have that that uh, double stack with Gino, but I don't know that there's going to be a ton that have those two runbacks. so I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great play. I think that's a great and if it allows you to get Henry or CMC and, it, and CMC really makes your lineup different there, by the way, i I don't know that I have the guts to not play Henry, but since that's a game that a lot of people are going to have pieces of, if you go the CMC route, I almost want you to make two lineups, right? One with CMC and one with Henry and just see how it plays out. Because from an ownership standpoint, that CMC one will be able to pass a lot more people if Henry just kind of has an average game and uh, obviously if CMC goes off. Okay, let's see. see Before Jack, we, Go ahead.
2: I don't think Jack Del Rio knows how to slow down Christian McCaffrey, so I'm all in on CMC. Make 60. And,
1: the, you know, the, the thing is, is, is Kyle Shanahan, you know, It's it's as if like they're playing in the final game of the season every time. And, you know, whatever, you got to win games. There's only so many games that you can play. And maybe I'm just too much of an advocate of like, hey, these guys need like a little bit of a break. But it was the CMC show until literally like almost like the last play of the game where Jordan Mason sprung one for like, you know, 60 yards. So it's just it's interesting because they got to win these games. And uh, CMC is their ticket to doing it, especially if Brock Purdy is your quarterback. Golfer Trevor Lawrence looks down, shaking my head.
2: Lawrence, I think, is number three over the past month. He's been incredible. You, you got to go. They don't, they don't even run the, really run the ball anymore. It's just, just let it, letting him uh, let, letting it fly. You got to go Lawrence there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And Chargy 65 he says, sorry, I was working and I missed that part of the show. Chargy. No need to apologize. I love that you're in here all the time. I love that you're in here while you're working. That's awesome. I won't tell your boss. I appreciate you being in here in all seriousness. Uh, Dennis says, Fields, Tua, or Lawrence,
2: Week 16? I like Tua this week. I think it's to be the best game of the weekend um, with um, Dolphins and the Packers. Uh, plus, it's in Miami. Good weather. The, the whole slate this weekend is going to be horrible weather. That's the one game I, I think Tua is a big game.
1: I don't disagree with that at all. I, and, and this yeah, this this could be a great game for them. I'm, I'm trying to remember some of these matchups. Oh, obviously, the Bears are against low.
2: the Bills. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Sure. I'm not sure the Jags are playing, but I uh, like two a lot this week.
1: Right. Uh, any other questions we see there? Oh, the Jags are Thursday night, by the way, at the Jets. I, I don't yeah. really like Trevor at the Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, that's no. going to be a tough matchup for yeah, him. No.
2: Um, I have Dallas DST versus Philly. Should I pick him another? Dallas DST has been garbage the past couple weeks. Yeah, I'd definitely look for somebody else. Uh, Jacksonville is so, intriguing. Jacksonville's a defensive phenomenon. And they're playing against Zach Wilson. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know what's interesting? You, you, this is going to sound completely ridiculous. I, I don't like the Cards. I don't like the Jags. Uh, I don't like Detroit, although I need to verify that matchup. Is, oh, they're at the Panthers. Oh, Detroit's okay. Uh, you know, if if the if the weather is really bad and the wind is really up in Tennessee, I know this is a terrible secondary but you get Derrick Henry to get your team a 14 or 20 point lead or whatever it is and you force Davis Mills into a passing game that defensive line can get after people especially if it's healthy and and I I could see Tennessee causing some turnovers I think they're a sneaky defense in DFS and and in redraft the thing about Dallas what you don't want to do is drop them and then find out Gardner Minshew's the quarterback I respect Gardner Minshew but I I think I would be willing to play Dallas over all of those guys. If, uh, if Gardner Minshew was the quarterback. So if, to me, I would keep an eye on Tennessee, particularly with the weather. And I would, uh, I would still kind of roll out Dallas Purdy or Tom Brady instead of hurts Purdy. Uh, you know, I think it's Tom Brady for me. Really? I think Tom Brady is going to, I think he's going to feast on Arizona. Now, what does feast mean in the, in the, the new context of what we think Tom Brady is? I think like, I don't think they're going to need much from Purdy. I think the defense is going to be really good for San Francisco. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to do a ton. I, I, I You know, on my prop show, which I'm doing Friday, I might even look at Purdy's um, pass attempts and completions because I don't think he's going to need to pass the ball a lot in this game. I think it's going to be very close to the vest, a little bit of what we saw yesterday from the Packers-Rams game where it's a lot of long possessions I think Tom Brady is going to. I think it's at least two touchdown passes for Tom Brady. We know his passing attempts is always in like the forty to fifty to fifty-five range. So I would take the upside with Brady there.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think Anybody else? Smith sure. Probably kind of, kind of kind of been really good with the cast.
3: Yeah.
2: Don't I think Harbin might be back this week, and. I mean, juju i mean like juju before he got hurt was fantastic and now you got mckinnon i think he's number two number one number one running back the past two weeks man is jared mckinnon he's getting all these targets Juju's now back like in that flex territory I'm kind of leading connor
1: yeah those are both great plays i almost wish there was another play i could consider so that i could like take that that third player out i think they're both great plays connor's volume has been great he does have a tough matchup against tampa but i think my lean would be connor but in dfs I love the value of Juju Smith-Schuster, especially if the weather holds, which as of now it looks like it's going to when you look at the uh, the total that's still up on this game. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Looks like Jorge Alfonso.
2: It yeah, it's the last one. We can do this one. Jorge. Okay, Al- we'll
1: do this one and we'll get out of here. Go ahead and read that one out, Zach.
2: It's Jorge Alfonso. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's Sepulveda, Kadena. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Christian Watson, Michael Pittman, Zay Jones, DJ Moore. Not don't Just get rid of DJ Moore. Probably Zay Jones. He's been incredible. Of the basketball couple weeks, even though he's got a tough matchup against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Christian Watson and Aaron. I know Rand Rodgers is kind of pissed off. He messed up on that route last night and want to get the touchdown. It could be a big Watson game. Probably Keenan Allen.
1: Yeah, um, I, I do like Watson against Miami a lot. Uh, I like Keenan Allen. So to me, it's between. I, I don't think I'm going to play Zay Jones because really? I, I do think it's a tough matchup. Um, if it's PPR, Zay Jones is, is more in the conversation. To me, it's between Mike Williams and Pittman. Uh, I think I would go with Mike Williams and just hope the Chargers like, go off. I mean, it's a 46.5-point total on Monday Night Football. You know, the good news for you is I would keep that third spot open for – mike williams or Pittman. the good news is you can make that decision on monday like so just like wait and see kind of see what happens with the colts and the running game um the conditions are going to be great for that game so i would i would make sure you get a lot of that game i, I like that a lot and let's do let's All do time, two more ultra on prime time again oh yeah they're yeah. on prime time again monday night
2: football <laughs> that's interesting that's just what just uh how the only reason they're doing that is to get jeff saturday on get up um no yeah I gotta get the Get the Patriots off national TV. I'm tired of seeing the Patriots and get the Colts off national TV. It was fun, and then they just started getting obliterated.
1: Yeah. Um, real quick, Albert and Chris, let's answer these, although I don't think I have an answer for Chris here. Um, oh, for for uh, Albert, I do Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Roger. Yeah, that's Rodgers. And Ayuk or Zay, full PPR. So Ayuk Zay – w- What What'd
2: you say? Ayuk's playing Washington, their secondary Yeah. MVP.
1: It's a nice matchup for Ayuk, but yeah. I don't know how much volume he's going to get. I actually think I lean Zay there. How about you, Zach?
2: Yeah, definitely Zay. He's, he's right. really remarkable. And also, if if, if you get if uh, Sauce stays on Kirk predominantly, I think Zay can, they can move him around. But there, we'll,
1: yeah, I think they are going to move Zay around. I don't know that Sauce is going to shadow ultimately, but uh, yeah, I think Zay's he's he's really shown up at the target. So I, I think he's going to get more volume than Ayuk, and that's usually what I look for. So. Give me Zay Jones there. It looks like there's some more questions. So we, we can't go any longer than we already we already are. But uh, I will say the fantasy football today, guys, we'll have some live streams going. Zach, they might have one later tonight, right?
2: I'm not sure. Yeah, but I'll be answering the questions on Twitter all week. Answered like That's like, right. 600 can so, weekend. So yeah, send them my way. 100%.
1: Yeah, and, and and if you want to tag me in them, feel free. Um, But that's Zach at Zbrook, by the way. For those of you that are listening, Z as in the letter Z and Brook. It's really super easy. Mine is at Sia Najad, for those of you that are listening and and not already following. Shame on you, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you for thanking us. You don't need to thank us. We need to thank you for being in here. So we really appreciate being part of the solo slash duo pod. It's me and Zach today. And on Thursday, it's going to be me and Zach and Mike McClure for our game-by-game preview. We'll touch on Sunday as well, but we're certainly going to go through the entire Saturday 10-game slate. Really looking forward to it. Let's monitor the weather. Let's have some fun with these stacks. Experiment experiment with them right now. Just see what stacks you like that you know might be a little different than the conventional 2-1 stacks or like, that everybody's going to be on. So um, have some fun with it. Register for our FFT DFS contest, and we will see you on Thursday.